Welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 95 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, I have the honor of chatting with the niece of legendary Imagineer and Disney legend, Mary Blair. For those of you who, first of all, don't know Mary, she is an iconic Disney Imagineer and animator. She has worked on countless films and attractions, is most famous perhaps for designing the facade of It's a Small World. She also worked on animated classics like Cinderella. I mean, her accomplishments and her work speaks for itself, and you're going to get to learn a lot more about Mary's life on this episode, and that's thanks to her niece, Maggie Richardson. Maggie knows Mary's life and her work inside and out as someone who course comes from her family and got to witness Mary's career and it was such an honor to get to chat with her and I am so excited for you to hear her stories about Mary Blair's life and her career. Of course at the end of the episode I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones Pull up your favorite armchair and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Imagineer podcast, I, of course, do my best to bring on as many Imagineers past or present that I can onto the show. And in most cases, I am fortunate to be able to get to the Imagineers themselves, but there are some times that we are unable to um, speak to the Imagineer or the animator directly, um, which in those cases, I like to bring along family members. So the one person I would have loved to have spoken to directly is a name a lot of you listening probably know, which is Mary Blair. If you don't know Mary, you're going to get to know a lot more about her through this episode. And unfortunately, Mary is no longer with us. So I did reach out to her family and am so happy to have her niece, Maggie, on the show with us. So welcome to the show, Maggie. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's definitely a pleasure. I know that you came highly recommended to talk about Mary's life, and I am so excited to uh, to chat with you. And to kick things off, um, I want to go back and I'd like to learn a little bit about the the personal side uh, as you sort of 
came to know your aunts because in in most families we, we learn about our our aunts and uncles and they might do amazing things they might do uh, just everyday things for their jobs and I always find it amazing when someone does do something incredible or noteworthy and uh, seeing sort of how their family came to know them. So that's a long way of saying I'm curious to learn a little bit more about what life was like growing up with your aunt. And um, also if she ever described her work to you or how she described uh, what she did at Disney and beyond. Okay. Um well, I was I was very very small when I first got to know her. She spent a lot of time in Los Angeles and then in New York, but always came back to California for Christmas times and didn't move to California permanently until uh later, later in life, although she she spent her childhood from age 7 on in a little town called Morgan Hill. But um, we would always get together for Christmas. I lived in Northern California with my mom, which was her older sister, and then her twin sister, Gussie, Augusta, lived in uh, Gilroy, which is a little town, if Californians know it as the garlic capital of the world, and she lived there. She was Mary's fraternal twin. So we all got together at Christmas time, and I remember... Oh, being excited to see Mary because um, she was glamorous and uh, she was a New Yorker at that at that time. I'm I'm talking about what I remember would be in the uh, from the mid 40s on. So Mary was with the French perfume and the and the capes and the New York clothes and she, well, she was just glamorous. But she also she painted. A lot, and I really didn't didn't know all I all I knew was that she she painted, and I remember for for Christmas time, she would she would give us paintings, and I I remember telling this to my sister at the time and saying, "Gosh, you know, I I really I kind of wanted a doll," and Mary gave me a picture. It's you know I, I was disappointed, <laughs> <laughs> and then my sister would say. Yeah, and she put her name on it. We know who she is. So she would sign it. And so and that was the beginning of us beginning to realize that well she she didn't just make, you know, drawings and pictures. She this was her life. This is what she did. And then later on when she began to um to work at I'm skipping ahead, but when she worked at uh on Small World, which was uh, 1963 when she started it, was also the year that I moved from Northern California down to Los Angeles to go to UCLA. So we would spend a lot. So we were both away from home, and she was at at, uh, at the Burbank studio, WED, and I was at UCLA. So we would spend weekends together, which was really nice. I would go and stay with her at the Tolucan Motel in Toluca Lake, which I understand isn't there any longer, um, and she would on the weekends and sit around by the the pool, and she would just keep drawing and drawing, and and then we'd go and have dinner over at the uh, Sorrentino's, which was a great Italian restaurant. I think that's gone too. But anyway, and then uh, Monday morning she would go back. 
she'd have to go back to the studio. So one of those Monday mornings, she asked me if I'd like to go with her out to the out to Wed, which was just a big, looked like a big warehouse to me, and Burbank. I, oh, yes, I would. And then is when I really began to understand what she was doing and I, how people treated her, and she really had an important role in this little ride, which when I saw the model... It was huge. It was it was huge. She took me around the model. We walked around it, and it was it was awesome. It it really was. It was spectacular. And I remember, and I've told this story before, so some people will recognize it. But I remember a moment when she she took me around, and there on the up on the platform, there was a little group of geese. And she said, you know, I, I'm wanting to put ribbons around the geese's necks. What, so what do you think? Do you think green ones or orange ones? And I I was like, oh, she was asking my opinion. And I, I just felt so special. And I, I don't remember what I said or what it <laughs> turned out to be. But yeah. she was just, she was like that. She, But <clears throat> excuse me, it wasn't just me and because I was her niece. She really treated everyone like that. And I could tell um, when people would come up to her and ask her questions, she was just so kind. And that's when I began to know that, wow, she she really has something very special. She sure does. And uh, <laughs> it's, well, we'll definitely uh, skip ahead to, uh, to her work at Wet Enterprises and, of course, the 1964 World's Fair in a bit. And, um, it's, it's funny that you, you know, I think yeah, a lot I of a, jumped into that. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. I was going to say, it's funny that you, um, <clears throat> you know, you got that, that gift, uh, at Christmas of the, the sort of signed artwork, because I think a yes. lot of people nowadays <laughs> would pay a lot of money for that. <laughs> and, oh, yes. Uh, and I, and I, well, there are certain treasures that she's given me, like, a, uh, she did ceramics for a while and she gave us one year, uh, a plate. And I have a little girl that's supposed to be me on a, on a like a rocking horse because she knew I used to ride horses since I was very little, and um, I treasure that. And then I took that around with me. Well, it's in my bookcase now, but that's something I would never, never, ever give up. Oh yes, no, I I would hope you wouldn't. Those are those are family treasures above all else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So going back to it was great to learn a little bit about your uh, your upbringing and and coming to know your aunt a bit. I would love to hear if Mary ever shared her early interests in art. Um, I always find it interesting and revealing to hear a little bit about um, you know sometimes it's a lifelong passion, but what ended up being her inspiration or her early interests in moving into an artistic field. Well, I heard some of that because Mary was didn't really live next door to us, and we would see her often, but not all the time. So a lot of it came from my mom, and because um, she grew up with with Mary, she was about almost three years older than Mary. But and then there was my grandparents, and Mary, when she was younger, apparently just began to draw on you know, the kids' books at school and things like that. So she knew she wanted to draw. And so my mother would say, well, 
you know, we didn't have a lot of money then, but we made sure that Mary got her her drawing, her her paint, her paints, her paper, and her pencils. So, and that was, and that was something that everybody kind of accepted about Mary from a very early age that she was going to paint no matter what. So, and then uh, Mary herself, in I've, I've read some of the oh things that she has written in in her biography. That, not, not biography, resume. And she said, well, she began drawing over her classmates' books and things and then drawing pictures of her classmates and teachers. And uh, so that's that's kind of how she started. And by that time, she was in a very nice, um, this was in Morgan Hill, which is a beautiful little hillside town in Northern California. And she later when she got into uh, art school at San Jose State, did a lot of watercolors around uh, that area, which were beautiful, beautiful scenes. Did that answer your question? It does. It does. I just wanted to make sure you had uh, you had finished your thought there. Um, but but that's that's wonderful, and uh, it's great that she always had that interest and was drawing her teachers it was something that i think even walt had done you know he had that early interest in in art and animation and uh and sort of followed a at least a similar path there um now i know that mary sort of graduated um at the height of the depression which is not an easy time to move into any field let alone into an artistic um, or fine arts field but um i know she did end up if i'm not mistaken finding work at uh metro goldwyn meyer was that uh, at mgm was that her first role outside mm-hmm. of college? that was uh, that was early on yes do you, so yeah, I'm curious because the one thing I couldn't find out too much about was uh, what she ended up. It was about doing 1938. There. Yeah. 38 to 40, she was at Harmon and Ising, MGM. Has she has she shared anything about what the experience was like working there? Uh, no, I not directly because that that well for one reason I I wasn't born in that time and so by the time I was born and and grew up a little bit that was behind her but I know from oh different letters and and stories later on that she wasn't well she she kind of felt like a, a fish out of water there and there also weren't a lot of women so and and at that time Lee, she was married to Lee at that time, and he was working at Disney. So um, he was instrumental in introducing her in that way. So so she was more comfortable being uh, at the studio when, when Lee was there in those days. That makes sense. And so I guess fast forwarding a little bit, because um, I know she ended up working at, of course, we want to spend most of the discussion talking about her time at Disney, and she... I believe started working at Disney in 1943, um, so just a, a few years later. Um, how? No, did actually, she... it was it was early. Oh, it was early. Um, okay. Yeah, it was it was actually uh, I think about it was 1941. Oh, that's even. Um, or okay. I'm sorry, 19, 1940, when she was first hired at Disney, and she worked on. Yeah, she worked for um, Joe Grant, who and I'm who 
whose daughter, uh, Jennifer, is a good friend of mine now, which is really interesting that we have. I've got some good Disney Disney friends now. But um, she worked on a film that was never made. It was called Penelope, but there was some great art in that. And she worked on Baby Ballet, also never produced, but gorgeous artwork from that. It was It was a part of Fantasia, but it never got included. And then... Lady in the Tramp and and Dumbo. She had some beautiful, beautiful art from Dumbo, and it's rare to see that. But that was it was just that was wonderful. And then she, well, this was her famous when she she actually quit in 1941 um, because she thought, well, she she really wanted to, even though she enjoyed that, she she wanted to go back and do her fine arts and see if she could still do that. She, so she did quit in 1941, but the funny thing is, and I, I laugh about this, and I say, boy, Mary was pretty brave because two months later after she quit, she found out from her husband, Lee Blair, that, oh, a whole bunch of them were going to go to South America on a Goodwill tour. And she thought, wow, I'd, really, I'd like to do that. So, And this is a story that I've heard from her and from Probably. But she, so she asked her, her father was visiting at the time, and he said, well, you know, if you, if you really want to go on that trip, he said, I think you should get all dressed up, going to see Mr. Disney, and you just tell him you'd like to go on that trip. So um, that's what she did. And today we would think, wow, that's that's pretty brave. You quit, and then two months later, you come back and ask for your job back because <laughs> because you want to go on a nice trip. So I thought everybody that says, well, Mary was so shy, maybe she was, but she wasn't that shy. I mean, when she knew what she wanted, and she asked for it. So, and Walt said yes, and that's um, that began a whole new chapter in her life. And speaking of Walt, I know that Walt really loved her work. Um, did Mary ever share any stories about working with Walt or what it was like to be at the, the Disney studios with Walt Disney? Well, I know they were, they were very close, and she really cared about Walt. And, and he admired her because I think, and I've, I've talked to Roly before, Roly Crump, and he said, well, Walt recognized that Mary was a genius, like he was. And in, in many ways, that was true. So he had great, uh, great respect for her. And they often, in those days, Mary was a, pretty much, I always call her the, the first bicoastal artist because she was actually allowed to work for art, uh, to work for uh, Walt and Disney while she lived in New York later on. So when she would get some artwork done, I think it was things like Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland at that time, she would either send it the old way through the mail or she would travel. She happened to be a member of the Million Miler Club in those days. So that oh, was, wow. she must have traveled a lot to get <laughs> yeah. to become a member like in those days. But sometimes Walt and his wife, Lillian, would come to New York a couple of times they did, and, you know, he would pick up art, but they would, you know, they would stay and socialize and go on a, out on their boat and just, you know, 
have fun. So they were, they were, um, they socialized a lot too. But she, she was very, very fond of Walt and just crushed when he, when he died. Yeah, I know that's skipping ahead a little bit. Did uh, did she share any anything about that day? I've asked other Imagineers as well. I I spoke recently with uh, with Rolly, in fact, and, and asked him the same question. He, by the way, had of course amazing things to say say about Mary. I did have to ask him. Um, yes. Did uh, mm-hmm. did Mary share anything about that day? Uh, about that that was let's see, it was 1966, and. She was back in New York then, but she and the World's Fair had been over, and it was at that time, I think um, Small World was about to be placed in Disneyland, and she knew that Walt was not well, and it really, and then therefore we knew. She was very, very close with Walt's nurse, Hazel George. Oh, Hazel was funny, and a lot of times she and, and Hazel would travel up to my parents' house on the Disney little plane, which would take film up to a lab in San Jose, so they would hitch a ride, and sometimes I got to go along, too, from UCLA and and pop in and see my parents, so it was fun. So she was close to Hazel, so she kind of kept in touch. It wasn't a huge, huge shock. But I don't think anyone expected Walt to pass away so soon. They they knew that he was in the hospital. They knew he wasn't well. But in that in that way, it was a shock. And uh, as far as the day, I don't remember Mary talking anything about that day. But um, I know it was a sad day for everyone at Disney. Everyone. And yeah. the whole world, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's certainly a um, an expectation, and nobody has positive things to say about that day. But um, it's always no. like a, a where where were you when you when you heard the news type of story, and um, it's it's uh, it, it was sooner than expected, um, which is what I know to be the case, and um, certainly a sad yeah. day, but. Um, not to get too grim, I, I don't want to skip over the work that she did in animation because she had such an iconic look and uh, with her with her work and kind of redefined the the Disney style of um, of art in a way and um, worked on like you mentioned Cinderella. I know that was a, a huge film that she had worked on um, and uh, through that. That uh, that tour that she talked about earlier, working on things like Saludos Amigos, um, Three Caballeros. Mm-hmm. She worked on so many films, and so I, I'd love if you could share uh, her part in the animation of those films and how her style was iconic or different from what we had previously seen before she came into the world of animation. Right. Well. I know that up until that point, I mean, Walt always loved Mary's art, and he was always telling that, you know, all the other artists mostly were men, and always telling them that, well, try to get Mary's art onto the screen, and they just had a hard time because her art was 
bold and flat. She had no perspective, no uh, at all. And it was just different. And they they just wrestled with it and had a hard time. But when she went to South America, I know this is a story that she tells that she began to feel like she actually had an influence on these films because some of the things she painted, like that little train on the black background that tooted along and it had one square wheel and so it bumped along. And it was, uh, it was, so that got translated almost exactly the way she, she painted it. So it made her feel that she, she really could participate in, in the films. And she, she loved that experience. So it opened up a lot of things. And she loved the culture of, uh, of South America, the colors, because Mary was, you know, all about colors. And she, retain that that love of the the South American art, the colors, the, the clothing, um, all throughout her life. But did did Mary get inspiration from any particular places, or was that sort of a um, a, a a total invention of her own? Because it, when when there is a a new style that comes into the picture, it's they're sometimes drawn from other places or, uh, you know, sort of like creativity is combining two or three or multiple different, uh, different things into one. So I'm curious where some of that inspiration came from for her for that style and that look that she's so famous for. Hmm. Well, uh, I think a lot of it was South America, especially, uh, Rio de Janeiro and uh, the birds, the people, the the scenery, Sugarloaf Mountain. Just she did a, a mural. It was a two part huge mural for um, Carmen Miranda after she got back, and it was a street um, people dancing, and there was the streets of of Rio with the black and white uh, pavement along there, and it was just. It's just beautiful. But um, as far as her style afterwards, well, a lot of that. And then when the 60s came along, that was uh, perfect for her because as uh, someone told me, in fact, it was it was um, Diane Disney when I first met her years ago. And she said, you know, I think your Aunt Mary invented the color combination of um, pink and orange, and I said, "Well," so I laughed. I said, "Well, I don't know, but she was she was famous for it, and she used that. She wore it. She painted with it, and it happened to be, you know, a, a very mod color of of that of that era, which is hardly ever goes out of style. And that's it, it's now vintage, mid century modern, which is which is back in. So you know, she she was." I think when she got into the colors, she never really left them. And there was one point in time that I remember reading in somewhere in a letter to somebody where she actually, I think it was a letter from in Preston's um, things that said Mary told him that she, she was done with uh, watercolors and she didn't want to do any more watercolors. She loved what she was doing and, and she did. And that's, 
where um, that's where she really made a name for herself. Not even as much a name as she has now, actually, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but still, she she no, she won't be forgotten. That's for sure. Yeah, I can see that um, when you talk about the the South American influence, I can certainly see that, and that that does make a lot of sense. That that trip would be very influential for her, and um, mm-hmm. you know, appear appear in a lot of her work. When um when she was working on the the World's Fair, I know it was um, I believe uh, Raleigh had actually talked about going to uh, to visit her in New York, and and it's probably a little easier mm-hmm. even to work on the World's Fair being in New York. But um, what was it like for her to uh, to work on such an iconic part of our history? Well, they just had a good time. Uh, I know she did, and according to Rolly, too. And it's amazing what they put together in less than a year. I mean, I don't think that would happen today. Oh, no. (laughs) But no, I mean, but they put it together, and and Rolly would talk about this, and so would Mary, and that's where she said, well, they they weren't given a huge budget, and they had to pass everything by you know, the Disney people, and they'd say, oh, that's a little little expensive. Is there another material you can use? And so they used a lot of feathers and glue and glitter, and that became one of Mary's signature um, tools and um, cutouts of uh, collage. And she did a lot of work with uh, paper sculpture. And I think she... She may have even learned it then, but I know in her collection there's a book on paper sculpting, and she did some, this is outside of Disney, but she did some gorgeous windows at uh, in the 60s for Bonwit Teller at Christmas time. Just beautiful, beautiful scenes, but that was, collage was part of what she did. She liked to put things on, on her art and yeah, she's she's known for that. Yes, she certainly is. What? Um, so I know that she so she worked in animation. She worked at Wet Enterprises. Most people know her for It's a Small World um, when yeah. it comes to the attractions. But um, what are some of the other attractions that uh, that Mary had an influence on at Disney, either Disneyland or at Walt Disney World? Well. Um, Actually, and I found this out later, that the she actually did the designs, which I really didn't know, but I read an article, and I can see it now, for the uh, the uh, teacup ride. That makes and sense. It does. It, it's totally Mary. And there was also something that she did, which I would love to have, a part of, but I know that she did because I remember she talked about it. There was a Polynesian room, and I don't know where that was at in Disneyland. I wasn't sure, but she designed some furniture, and the the backs were were daisies, were flowers. The backs of the chairs. I thought, oh, I would love to have one of those chairs. And I, <laughs> I, I at one time had seen a picture, but she did. Um, set design. She did all kinds of things, which, um, and she was very matter of fact about it all. And she just kept 
producing and producing. But um, what else in Disneyland? Um, well, there were the murals, you know, the other two murals, which are gone now. Yes. But the, tom- the Tomorrowland murals. And then one of them, I think, for sure is gone because I saw a YouTube of it. And in fact, I had a friend who was working in Disneyland. He said, they're going to break down your aunt's mural. If you want a piece, come on down. And I, <laughs> I wasn't able to. But I did see the film. It was heartbreaking to see it just sledgehammered down to the ground where it was in chunks. Yeah. And actually, I did buy a piece from eBay in those <laughs> days. They were able to do that. So I have that displayed. And, and it looks authentic. I can, I can tell by the kinds of colors um, because that's, that's the way uh, the murals were made then. So those. And then the other one may or may not be able to be, um, you know, recovered. I'm, I'm not sure about that. But the one, the other one that was done actually in 1966, it was started before Walt died, and that was the one at the Jules Stein Eye Institute on the campus of UCLA. And that was 1966, and I was still a student at UCLA, And so I was very proud to know that my Aunt Mary was designing a mural which would go in the children's waiting room in the in the Eye Institute. And it was it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. So um, that still exists and it's still there and uh, people come from all over to see it. But it's uh, it's not that well known, but it's a wonderful example of her work it really is and they've they've kept it and they've preserved it in fact a couple of years ago they they refurbished a lot of Jules Stein Eye Institute but they made sure they covered that over and then when they um, revealed it again they made a a big deal of it and then that now they have a little oh velvet rope around it and a little movie running of how Mary made the mural just with her working on the the tiles and the the big the big drawings for it so it's neat it covers the whole wall yeah it's um I have I have yet to go visit UCLA but I think I'm gonna have to make an excuse to go just to see that mural oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You should, yeah. It's 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 really, big. and so that and the then the Contemporary Hotel, yes, at uh, Walt Disney World, those are the only two murals left of hers. But of course, the one at the Contemporary Hotel, it's that's a big one, and I don't think they'll ever take that down now. And that's um, but that's uh, that's all right now. <laughs> Yeah, I so I grew up, of course, on the East Coast and therefore spent most of my childhood going to Walt Disney World. I did make a few trips to Disneyland when I was a kid, but most of our, mm-hmm. you know, our annual pilgrimage was to Walt Disney World. So I distinctly remember right. as a kid and to this day going on the monorail mm-hmm. through the contemporary or eating at Chef Mickey's and having it, it's a multi-story, huge, you know, Grand, Grand Canyon Concourse mural. Um, I know. I, w- I would love to hear if you have any any more information about how that mural came to be, or what you might have shared about uh, its creation, because it's huge. It's it's a tremendous, beautiful it's piece. Huge. In fact, well, actually, I remember as this was done in the, oh 
early 70s and started about 1970 because she continued it was the it was agreed upon when Walt was alive but then after he passed away there was a kind of a a space in between where she wasn't uh, working on it but then then uh, that did open up and she was and so I remember and by that time she was living in northern California up in Soquel, which is in Santa Cruz County, near where uh, I lived and my parents lived at that time, which was uh, in the 70s, um, except I was still in L.A. then. But um, I was home one time. It might have been Christmas. I'm not sure. But Mary was over, and she brought with her a whole roll of huge big paper. And so she wanted to spread it out on the floor and show us what she was doing. And there were all of these Indian children for the mural and the, and the, and the bears and the ab- animals and rabbits. And, and it was wonderful. But, and my, my nephew, he was just a little, little guy then, I don't maybe seven or eight. And he remembers her explaining to him that this was what she drew, but it was going to be taken and put up on tiles, and these tiles were going to be colored um, plaster, and it was going to be up in the middle of a huge building. So we were all trying to picture it, but she, she always wanted her family to know what she was doing. And then after it was done, I remember that Christmas because she gave us all the oh the canvas prints that they of of the mural that they put in the hotel rooms and were there for oh many years. But those those were just those were great. So she always shared her work with us, and that was uh, yeah, and wanted us to understand part of the process and everything. So she she became very interested in all that. So she was a real hands-on, real hands-on artist. I remember Roly saying um, about her, he said, you know, she, she had the greatest hands. They were just so strong and capable. And that's that's how he remembers her hands. I thought that was that was pretty neat. Right. They weren't small and delicate. They were, <laughs> they were substantial, but good, strong hands. So he remembers that. That's great. That's a definite compliment there. And it's true. It is. It is. <laughs> Other than, uh, or of all, I guess, the, the projects so far we've talked about and uh, the ones that we haven't talked about, did, um, did Mary have a favorite, whether it be a favorite Film, I guess it's a two-part question. A favorite film that she uh, she helped bring to life, or a, a favorite attraction? No, I think um, for sure, Small World. I know she really enjoyed Alice, and I remember some artwork that she did. I wish I had some, but, but and there is a couple of pieces in the Disney archives. But she actually did some pieces of Alice. After she had, she drank the, you know, the drink me thing, and um, it was kind of, and then the page was filled with Alice, you know, with little circles in her eyes, like she was hallucinating, and there were things all around her, like 
whatever she drank mm-hmm. really affected her. And it reminded me of later years uh, of the um, of the Beatles and some of their psychedelic um, work. And it it really did. But anyway, it didn't get put into the film that particular those pieces of art. But I think it was really really advanced. And I, I loved that. She loved, I think, the, <clears throat> the person of Jesus, the person of, of, of Alice, who is, you know, she was an independent young woman who went on an adventure, and it, it didn't end with her being saved by a prince. She just tackled all of these things on her own with help from you know the the cat and the rabbit and and all of these things, but she had uh, she came back into the world or up the rabbit hole again, thinking that wow, I'm sure a, a lot more to this world than we know about, more than just kittens and meadows. So anyway, um, so I think Alice is one of her favorite films, and and Dumbo, she enjoyed that. Both, I mean, both iconic films for sure. Um, yeah. It's sort of going into your experience. Um, what's it like for you to watch these films, either um, when you first saw them or even if you if you watch them back today, knowing that, um, you know, knowing some of those small little details that Mary worked on or that she helped influence, what, what was it like for you to uh, to get to watch those films and know that she was a big part of them? Oh yeah, I I love it. I have all of the. Now I have a collection of the, the DVDs. Uh, but I I love the the old. I mean they they still stand up, of course. And and seeing a lot of her paintings, and then seeing how they really did try to put them on the screen. Um, you know, I was just really proud of her. And then even today, I I love the fact that the. The artists, you know, Pete Doctor, Jonas Rivera, they go to Mary's work and they they look at it when they do films, and they usually give her a little nod in every film, which is really nice. And I remember seeing, I guess it was was well up for one with with Mary's house and some of the the scenes. There was a a scene uh, with a South American llamas right out of mary's art and just a, a few things like that and but on the movie uh it was inside out and if you if you watch closely you'll see and because i went with my sister and my nephew and oh, it was exciting and we saw the 3d version and we hadn't been to a, a movie theater in a while my sister hadn't Anyway, but it was so it was an exciting day. But if you watch closely, all along the conveyor belt, when they when they run the conveyor belt, and along the wall, you'll see go by Mary's um, "I Can Fly" girl, and that was her iconic golden book, which wasn't really Disney, but it was it was Mary Blair, and I thought that was. That was really neat. It was fun, and, and and they do that a lot at Pixar, and um, nods and acknowledgments to different to different artists. So it was it was neat though. 
That is amazing. I'll have to look out for that in Inside Out. I can absolutely yeah, it, see the influences in Up. And um, I think it's Emperor's New Groove, it sounds like, was the other one she had some nod to, the, uh, yes, the South and, American. And also, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And um, also, I, I think... Was the other one Monsters Inc. There was a, um, some influence there, but no. But Pete always revered Mary, and and still does. And haven't talked to him for a while, but yeah, he he does. Yeah, that's that's really terrific. I love when modern artists and animators sort of pay those little tributes to to those who came before them and uh, disney and pixar especially are, are both very popular for that i'm glad you brought mm-hmm. up by the way the um the the little golden books um because i know that was something else she she had a part in um how mm-hmm. did that opportunity come about well it came about when she when they moved back uh to new york um it's about oh in the mid forties, forty seven or so, and Lee started his uh, advertising. Uh, he had a big advertising studio back then uh, in New York, and Mary freelanced, and she was connected to uh, her um, uh, her agent, who became a member of the family, her agent Celine. And Celine worked in New York and got all of these assignments for Mary. So that's how that comes about. And she actually only did five books. But amazingly, uh, three of them are still in print. So, and that's, that's pretty good considering it was all done in the 1950s and early 60s. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was... Uh, and I Can Fly was one of the first, and that's probably her most well-known. Um, but then there's a Baby's House and then the Up and Down book, all in print now. But the I Can Fly never never went out of print, and the other two are back in print now. But And there was a, a treasury of her golden books done a few years ago, and it had all five of her golden books in it. A couple of them were the large, the song book and the um, the book of poems. So those those are beautiful. They're beautifully beautifully illustrated. Absolutely. But yeah, it's nice to have them. Yes, of, of absolutely, of course. Um, I guess outside of what we discussed for her work at Disney, um, a little bit beyond. Are there any other examples of projects that Mary worked on or helped to inspire that listeners might recognize, whether it's at Disney or beyond the realms of Disney? Well, uh, as far as the field of art, probably not. She did a lot of painting in the 70s when she wasn't with Disney. And this was a lot of commercial, a lot of commercial painting and a lot of painting she just did for her own enjoyment. And I know one I was contacted not long ago through our website, and it was a woman who had inherited from her mother and dad. They were dentists in Soquel or in uh, Santa Cruz, I guess. And 
Mary had um, given them one of her paintings. And I think in exchange for dental work, actually. Oh, wow. And uh, I know. And that's, uh, it was really a sweet painting. And so she had had the original. I had a copy of it in her collection. Because Lee would take, he was a really good photographer. He would take slides of all of her, all of her artwork. So we have all of that. So I recognized that it was, it was really nice to know. And, um, but as far as um, other projects of art that people would recognize, no. Although there were, there were some things, not art, but actually fashion, that have come to light in the last few years. When she was back in New York, she did some fashion design. And she did it for under the label of, I think, Beverly Page. And there were some um, suits and, and jackets sold on, under that label at Lord & Taylor. And so I had bought a few things on eBay. There were ads in the, in the New Yorker for her designs. And then later on, before they had the exhibit of Mary's work, at the Walt Disney Family Museum in 2014, and John Kamaker was the um, curator, and he, oh boy, he is, he digs around, he gets everything. So anyway, he found from the Fashion Institute, someone had donated things that they found that Mary had drawn, uh, there are about 18 pages of fashion designs, and they're beautiful. So she designed clothing, and I remember uh, Roly telling me about when he visited Mary. Mary took him, you know, said, "Well, today I'm going to have some clothing made. Do you want to come along?" He said, "Sure." So took him to a, a downtown um, New York place, and I went all the way up. Roly said, "In this high up building," and Mary brought her designs, and then what she did was. She picked out fabric to have her designs made into. So she really did design a lot of her own clothes, and that I wasn't sure about. But um, Roly told me that, and that's that's what happened. So that was uh, kind of little known, and um, I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, I think. She, she definitely, with her style, can have a strong impact in the world of fashion, and uh, I'm glad that she she did have some <laughs> some impact there, which is great. Um, I also love hearing those stories of her and Raleigh kind of going around the town. <laughs> I know um, because well, yeah, she was older. She was about 25 years older, and Raleigh said he said he was he was just in awe of Mary and thought she was just a goddess, and and she was talented, but he really admired her and they they got along famously and so mary took him around it might have even been the first time he'd been to new york i'm not sure but it was all about that time and uh they they had a good time yeah, and then absolutely. they had a good time back in new york when they were putting together the um small world because it had to be disassembled and then they had to put it back together but they would make artwork, the two of them, out of the, oh, the packing crates that the art came in. And some of those have survived to today. 
So those that was pretty neat. They would just do that in their spare time while they were waiting for things to get unpacked or whatever. They seemed to have you know spare time to do those things. But you know, they were artists, and artists just they just can't stop creating. That's just what they all did. Yeah, absolutely. True, true artists. It's a uh, passion. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it yeah. makes sense. You would always be doing that. Um, you did bring up the Walt Disney Family Museum. So uh, did you get the chance to, mm-hmm. it sounds like you got to go to her uh, exhibit unveiling? Oh, yes. What yeah. was that? Uh, what was that like? Or I guess what um, I, I still would love to get to the Walt Disney Family Museum. It's on my list of places to go. Oh, um, yeah. What? Uh, so I guess what was that uh, experience <clears throat> like or what? Um, no, that was that was beautiful. It was a beautiful night. We were only sorry that Diane had passed away. Yeah. Um, before that, but she had everything in line, and in fact, my sister and I, and my nephew actually had been to the museum um, recently to meet someone because whenever someone was in town or whatever, because we and at that time I was living in Northern California. I've since moved back to LA, but we would always say, well, can you get to the Walt Disney Family Museum? We can meet you there well, at the cafe. So we were at the cafe um, meeting this person, and then um, Diane wanted to say, well, hey. And then so she came down. She, she heard we were there, and she wanted to join us, and which I was so happy. And uh, so we had dessert with Diane, and and she talked about the um, exhibit and how happy she was that everything was, was coming together. And this was in November, and the exhibit was the following March. But it was just, she was just so happy and, and happy that they had acquired so much of Mary's work. And she said, now I don't have to borrow it from the Animation Research Library or any of those places. And they had a lot of private donors also, but she was just very happy with it. And then um, four four days later, she had had her accident and then after passed away a few weeks after that. So that was the last time we saw her, but that was, it it meant an awful lot. so that was so the the opening was it was beautiful it was bittersweet because Diane wasn't there but um everybody else was and they even had they went all out and I have pictures of the they put her artwork on uh pastries and uh, all kinds of unique things and it was just it was a wonderful event yeah it's um Again, high on my list of, of places to go. I just haven't been to Northern California in a long time, so I need to, make, I need to get back. Oh, um, yeah. No, it's a beautiful, beautiful museum. Oh, my goodness. With a great view of the Golden Gate Bridge. And, yeah. Well, the book, the book that comes from that is John Kingmaker's book, Magic Color Flare, The World of Mary Blair, which has all of the artwork from the exhibit in it. So it's a it's a big beautiful book. Yeah, I I'm glad you mentioned it because I I had to plug it and uh, I was going to ask about it. So <laughs> I'll make sure that that book is definitely uh, linked in the episode uh, show notes for uh, for this episode. Um, oh, good. 
I know there's also uh, a website, magicofmaryablair.com, which I was, I was of course, looking mm-hmm. around uh, in prep for, for our, uh, our discussion. Um, so I, I guess, I believe you're, are, are you one of the, um, I believe you are one of the people who help run that website or help bring that website well, together. Yeah, I, I kind of mocked it up, put it all together with the images and did the, the writing and then I'm not technical at all, so I couldn't, you know, get it up online. Oh, no, no. So we, we do have a website um, director, so someone who, who does our, uh, who manages the website. But other than that, my sister and I are the ones that, that put it together. Um, we originally started it back in 2003 when my cousin Kevin was still alive. And um, and then after he passed away, we took it down for a while, and then we thought, well, let's. Uh, in fact, it was John Kingmaker who always put a plug in for our website, and so he said, should get that back up. So so we did before the 2014 exhibit at the Walt Disney Family Museum, and now it's it's mostly a a tribute website with uh, a lot of. Mary's life, her stories, but there are three different galleries because um, my sister and I were, were we're a very small family now, and it's just myself, my sister, and then her son um, Kevin, who is Mary's great nephew. It's just the three of us, so we had everything from all of the art from all of the Blairs, and that was that means Lee Blair, Preston Blair. And, and Mary Blair. So we gave them each a gallery on the website, and Preston's and, and Lee's and Mary's. So we tried to honor all of them, but mostly Mary, mostly a tribute to Mary. And yeah. anything that, yeah, we do some, some licensing. So any new products that come out, we, we put there and along with a link and, you know, where they can find out more or get them or whatever. But we don't we don't sell anything. Just tribute. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'll link to I'll link to the uh, the website as well, so everybody can check it out. Are there any other places where people can go yeah, but to? That's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, that's what I'm saying. But that's what I. Yeah, I. That website has been wonderful because that's how we so we meet people from all over the world. Um, who just write in and have a question about Mary or want to know this or that. And it's just, you know, and I mean all over the world, which is just just very rewarding. Mary would have really liked that. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Well, one question I would have as sort of a, a, a closing question is, I know that a lot of people listening aspire to go into these various fields, whether it be in previous episodes, if we talk with an Imagineer, go into specifically Imagineering or go into uh, an aspect of working at Disney. But uh, fine art in particular, I think, is an interesting field and one we haven't covered before. Do you have any Mm -hmm. sort of advice um, that Mary would pass along or that you have, um, in case that's come up before, uh, for how people can... um, succeed in fine art or how they can get started if maybe they don't think they have much artistic talent <laughs> um, to sort of enter into this this space as a career? 
Mm, that's a question I hadn't considered before, but I, I think I know some of the animators of the past who became very famous didn't go to art school, and um, but they had they had the talent and they couldn't stop drawing. Some of them drew from those old matchbook covers where they would enter in and they would do contests. I know Mary did a, she won actually a prize for a design for Canon towels that she did. So she got some money that way and she entered a contest um, for a wallpaper design. We have that artwork. So I would just say, enter everything you can. She seemed to do that. And then people kind of get to know you and they, they know how, how flexible you are. And I, I, Apparently now at the, at the studios, there's a lot of even internship positions where you just get to be around these people. And then when, when you are and they get to know you and, and you show some of your work, well, one thing just leads to another. And that's, and that's kind of how a lot of people get started, I think. Everybody has a different... Uh, a different way or a different journey to the same field. But there's nowadays, there's just so much to the field of animation, just so much. It's a, it's creative, it's technical, it's special effects, it's virtual, it's, it's everything. You're totally right. There's a lot of different avenues to go in. And I think that's yes. very good advice because it's something I've heard on the show before is to just go after your craft and try as much as you can and just learn as you're doing it. And it can lead to some incredible places if you put your heart into it and put a lot of effort into it. And, um, you know, it's amazing where you can go from there. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and artists have artist friends. So I know in the old days when they were all new artists, they would, they would keep painting, but they would give away their art. They would give it to their friends. They would give it to other artists. And because, well, for one thing, it's what they had to give, but it was also the best they had to give. And that's kind of how it got out. And they, and they kind of made a name for themselves just even among their peers. And then it grew from there. But um, I know Mary had a lot of art and Lee from other artists of that time, which which they treasured. Absolutely. And, um, well, Maggie, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and for sharing these stories about Mary's oh, work and her life. It. It's been um, it's been a real pleasure. So thanks for taking the time with me. Oh, for me also. Thank you so much. And with that, we close out episode 95 of the Imagineer podcast. I sincerely hope you enjoyed hearing all these stories from Maggie about Mary Blair's life. Mary certainly had this iconic career at Disney and even beyond Disney, and it was such a pleasure to get to chat with Maggie and learn more about her aunt's life. 
course, I want to turn the conversation over to you and hear which of Mary's many projects at Walt Disney Imagineering and at the Walt Disney Studios is your favorite. You can send me your answers and feedback as always in so many different ways. You can reach out to me on social media in a direct message or in a post on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast, on Twitter at Imagineer News. You can also email me at imagineerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to chat with not just me, but with other listeners in this community, you can join our Facebook group, The Imagination, also called The Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, which is a great group of people. We chat about, of course, all things Disney. And I encourage uh, looking forward to encourage you to join. And I certainly look forward to seeing you in that Facebook group. If you don't already subscribe to the show, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. Whether you're listening to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or any other podcast app, which will ensure that you are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. And if you have 30 seconds to leave us a rating in 60 seconds, two minutes, however long it takes to write a review in the Apple Podcast Store, that does so much to help our community out. We have maintained a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts, which is sensational. And I am so grateful to all of you who have continued to rate and review the show and leave us such wonderful reviews. And I do read each and every one I get. I'll often share them out on my Instagram and Facebook stories. And again, I'm so appreciative to those of you who have uh, continued to help us to achieve this incredible distinction of a five-star rating. And uh, it encourages me to do whatever I can to continue to build upon the show and make it an even better place for all of you. Of course, the best thing you could do for the show is very simple. Just go ahead and share it. Whether you share this episode all about Mary Blair uh, or you share out your favorite episode of the show, the podcast as a whole, your favorite social media post, or if you just talk about it with your friends and family, people who love all things Disney, that is probably the best thing you can do to help Imagine Your Podcast out. And if you want to take your love of Imagineer podcast one step further, look into the Imagineer Society, which is our Patreon group, which is over at patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. Patreon, as always, is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That's a way you can help support the show financially and in return, get extra special perks, benefits, and rewards. Things like early access to podcast episodes, bonus podcast episodes just for Imagineer Society members. Uh, You can get access to a private Facebook group. We do monthly virtual events, including we've been doing these Disney Plus watch parties, which have been an absolute blast, plus video calls and so much more. You can learn all about the perks and benefits, which start at just $1 a month over at patreon.com slash podcast. Just note that, of course, the uh, perks are subject to change. I would also encourage you to check out our partners. First, take a look at The Kingdom Insider over at thekingdominsider.com or The Kingdom Insider on any social media channel so that you can get the latest news and updates about all things Disney, plus some tips about how to make the most of your next vacation and how to bring the magic of Disney into your own home. As many of you know who are following me on social media, I cover a lot of the history and the details about all things Disney, but The Kingdom Insider is looking more into the present and into the future, taking a look at what's happening at the parks, around the company, on Disney+, Plus, all those favorite places, and what's to come. So if you are looking for a great resource for Disney news and travel tips and things that are happening today and in the future, check out the Kingdom 
London Insider. And the next time you're ready to book your next vacation to any Disney destination, Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, Aulani, or any other Disney destination, I highly encourage checking out our travel partner, Academy Travel, and more specifically, their their Disney division, which is Mickey Vacations by Academy Travel, because they have been helping to plan vacations for over a quarter of a century. They are diamond earmarked, the highest level of distinction that Disney awards travel agencies. They can help you to plan your next Disney vacation, take out the stress and the guesswork, because of course, traveling to Disney right now is a little different than it used to be. And the best part is they do it at no additional cost to you. And they can even help to save you money on your next Disney vacation. Truly a win-win. You can request a free quote, no obligation, simply by clicking on the links in the show notes below to the free quote forms or by going to imagineyourpodcast.com. Click on the travel dropdown, select your destination, fill out that form, and they will get back to you as soon as possible with that free quote, no obligation. Last but not least, I want to encourage you, as always, to go after your hopes, your dreams, your goals, whatever you might want to do in life. You might be inspired by Mary Blair's career and want to pursue a similar path, or you might want to do something completely different. But whatever it is, stop you know, just thinking about doing it and start doing it. That's the hardest thing to do, but the most important step is just to start to take that first step and make your dreams come true. Remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast.